Good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church, Reformed Pastor and di uh, Tactical Discipleship. Um, just wanted to, uh, this is my first time in a very, very, uh, in a long while. So just wanted to come on. We're going to start up back in the new year, doing it right. Um, and what I mean by doing it right is, is that we're going to be, you know, doing our Bible studies a couple times a week. We're going to do our, go back to doing our church services on Sunday. So stay tuned for that, man. It's all coming. Um, a few prayer requests. Um, if you guys can pray for Pastor Dave, you know, he's been going through a lot of, um, you know, health issues and stuff like that. That'd be awesome. Um, also, if you could pray for Pastor Robert over there at, uh, Victory Outreach, him and his wife do have COVID. It's pretty bad from my understanding. So if you guys can pray for them, that would be great. Um, also, pray for our prayer team. Pray for Made Free Church, Tactical Discipleship. Um, pray for our finances. Pray for just everything. This new year is going to be an amazing year. Um, we're going to be stepping out, doing a lot of different things. So, um, Guys, keep us in your prayer. We, we, we truly, really need it. I'm not going to go really through a lot of, um, you know, our, our little announcements today. I'm just going to jump right in. You know, we're going to be in Mark 1, verse 1, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, this uh, title of this message is called Jesus, Who Is He? And the reason why I did I wanted to write this, we're, we're, we're doing this from... Uh, a book that, uh, in a series that came out, you know, by um, uh, Rico Tice and Barry Cooper out of England, um, you know, called Christianity Explained. <clears throat> and this is where I took this out of, because a lot of people don't understand what Christianity is. A lot of people don't have a real relationship with Jesus. And this is what the whole basis is for. So let's get into it. I know I'm on early, guys. I hope you guys are okay with that. Um, I have to work in a few hours, so I want to get this. I want to. I want to be able to spend some time on this. So let's get into prayer, Heavenly Father. We just thank you, Lord. We worship you, and um, just ask, Lord, that your word go out and bless everyone who's going to listen, who are listening. And uh, just uh, get me out of the way and let your word go forth, Lord. We love you, we worship you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, cool. Oh, it's cold in here. Um, I don't have a heater in here yet, so bear with me. <laughs> All right. So, Mark, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I began a series. Uh, and it's based on a series that's titled Christianity Explored by Rico Tice and Barry Cooper. And I introduced you to Christianity Explored. And I said that Christianity um, is not about beautiful buildings or boring services. It's not about throwing your brain out the window. No, Christianity is all about Jesus Christ. That's why we begin reading Mark chapter one, verse one. And let me turn on some music. I love Josh Snodgrass. He's awesome. There we go. Awesome. Um, that is the same scripture I would like to direct your attention to this morning because 
uh, of today's message, Jesus, who is he? And I, you know, I want to examine what Mark teaches about the identity of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, let's read Mark 1.1. 1, 1. It says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. There's a great scene in the movie, in, in movie uh, uh, called Notting Hill. In, in which the character Bernie meets Anna Scott, uh, who was played by Julia Roberts, for the first time, right? And the movie is a romantic economy, co a comedy about an ordinary man named William Thacker who falls in love with the most famous actress in the world. But William's friend, Bernie, doesn't know that when he first meets Anna, and here's what happened. Bernie, so tell me, Anna, what do you do? Anna, Anna, uh, I'm an actress. What do you do? Bernie, well, I'm actually in the stock market myself, so not really in, this, in similar field, fields, though I have done the odd bit of amateur stuff, you know, PG Woodhouse, farce, all that. And I've always imagined that's a pretty tough job, though acting, I mean, the wages are a scandal, aren't they? Oh, no, they can be. I see friends from university and they've been in the business longer than you and they're barely scraping on seven to 8,000 a year. It's no life. What sort of acting do you do? On oh, no. films mainly. Bernie, oh, splendid. Oh, well done. Um, how's the pay of the movies? I mean, the last film you did, what did you get paid? Anna, $15 million. Bernie, right, that's fairly good. Bernie doesn't relate to Anna properly. Why not? Because he doesn't know who he is. Many people don't relate to Jesus properly because they don't know who he is. Now, if we're going to relate properly to Jesus, we have to get his identity right. Right? The actor Noel Coward once said, what do you think about God? And to which he replied, we've never properly been introduced. See, we saw that according to the Bible, God has introduced himself through Jesus. Right? So who was Jesus? Was he a, a great moral teacher, a Galilean carpenter, a compassionate miracle worker, a misunderstood revolutionary, or a great historical figure? See, Mark's assessment goes far beyond any of these views. He states very boldly, right in the very first sentence of, of his book, Jesus is the Son of God, in Mark 1.1. Or put it another way, Jesus is God in human form. Now, to say such things seems outrageous in many modern ears. And it was no small matter of the people of Mark's day either. In fact, the claim to be God in human form got you thrown to the lions. Because the only person who were supposed to acknowledge as God in human form was the Roman emperor. Virgil, a Roman poet, described the emperors as this. A new breed of man come down from heaven. But see here, 
right in the start of his book, Mark boldly asserts that there is a higher authority than the emperor, and he is Jesus. See, Mark gives five evidences of, that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is God in human form, right? And first, the power, Jesus has the power and authority. <laughs> Go ahead, man, tell me about Jesus. Um, Jesus has the power and the authority to teach. Mark says in, in, in Mark 1 through 22, he says, and they, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, went to Capernaum and immediately on the day of the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. See, what, what set Jesus apart from the other teachers of the law was the way he taught, right? The teachers of the law didn't come up with their own material. There was nothing original in their teaching. They never taught without quoting other sources. And they hid behind the great rabbis of the past who claimed no authority of their own. But Jesus did not teach like that. He didn't, behind, he didn't hide behind anybody else's authority. He claimed authority of his own and said, I tell you, on my authority, you can take it from me. See, Jesus not only claims that his words have as much authorities as God's words when he speaks, it, it's as if somebody suddenly switched the lights on in the dark room. What people heard from the lips of Jesus explained their lives to them. So we see verse 22 that the people were astonished at his teaching. But then we have to ask, was Jesus all talk? Did he actually live out what he taught? And the staggering answer is he did. What makes you what, what makes this so staggeringly staggering is that I routinely find a contradiction between what I say and what I do. I say that I'm going to be loving and kind and generous and forgiving or whatever. But when the rubber meets the road, my actions often don't match my words. And I'm willing to bet to f that, that you're the same way, that you struggled with that too. But for Jesus, there was never any contradiction between what he said and what he did. See, Jesus was no religious hypocrite. For example, he taught love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in Matthew 5.44. Later, he was being crucified on the cross and he prayed for his executioners, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23.34. Now that's practicing what you preach. So, Jesus has the power and authority to teach. And second, Jesus has the power and authority over sickness. One example of Jesus' power of authority of sickness was found in Mark 
chapter 1, verse 29 to 31. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately he, they told uh, him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left, and she began to serve them. Here, Jesus demonstrates the, his absolute power and authority over sickness. Just as, as a touch of his hand and the fever was cured. And this is not an isolated incident either, guys. Just a few verses later in Mark 1, chapter 1, verse 34, Jesus cured whole crowds of sick people. Then, in Mark 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, his words healed, his word healed a paralytic, bones, muscle, tendons knitted together before people's eyes without a hint of surgery. By Mark 2, 12, people were all amazed and saying, we never saw anything like this. The sick were healed, the deaf hear, the blind see, and the lamb walk. And there are, in fact, 30 healings recorded in the Gospels, all showing that Jesus has the power and authority over sickness. And, and you, may, you may be interested to know that non-Christian sources also of the day also speak of Jesus' healing. Uh, Josephus, a Samaritan historian, said, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful, to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works. Everybody was talking about Jesus, miraculous power, right? Everybody was talking about him. The only debate was where the power came from. So Jesus has the power over authority and, and over sickness, but he also has the power, the power and the authority over nature. Mark tells us about Jesus and his disciple in Mark 4, 35 uh, through 41, uh, 35 through 41. It says this. When evening had come, Jesus said, let's go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with, uh, they, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. The other boats were with him. The other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Apparently, storms arise quite suddenly in Galilee. And this one was a ferocious storm. But Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Jesus was clearly exhausted. So that he was not even awakened by the storm. I mean, what a deep sleep, right? But the disciples, some of the, who were most the, the most experienced sailors, woke him up and says, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? One senses they were terrified. And it is remarkable that they wake Jesus up, who was not a sailor, but a carpenter by trade. So what do you think Jesus did? Did he grab the helm to try to steer to safety? Or did he shout commands to the disciples about the best course of action in their present situation? No. Jesus awoke, rebuked the wind and sea, and said, 
peace, be still. In an instant, with just three words, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. It's any wonder that Mark notes that disciples were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this? Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Whatever conclusion they or we draw, one thing is, is, is specifically clear. Jesus has the power and authority over nature. But the next thing demonstrates even something even more amazing. Jesus has the power and the authority over death. Many people in our culture just block out death out of our minds. Uh, they share the Woody Allen sentiments on death when he said, it's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. You may have came across the bereavement cards that say things like, those whom we've loved never really go away. That's a lie, by the way. That's the whole problem. The reason death is so fearful is because it has absolute power to separate us from those we love, often unexpectedly, and there's no opportunity to tell them you love them for the one last time. My mom died uh, quite uh, uh, in 2016, and I never had a chance to say goodbye. My dad, a year later, died, and I never had a chance to say goodbye to him. But I don't know if that's worse than those who love ones linger for weeks, even months, in great pain and suffering. In both cases, however, death separates us from our loved ones. And there's nothing we can do about it. But Jesus shows that he confronts death as its master with total power and authority over death. Mark records in Mark 5, 21-43, the account of Jesus had an encounter with a religious leader, a synagogue ruler named Jairus. And Jairus came to Jesus because his precious daughter was dying. He implored Jesus to help him to do something to save his daughter from death. Can you identify with this man? Imagine the desperation and powerlessness you could that you would feel if you saw your young child dying. That is an emotional intensity of this passage. Jesus agrees to go with Jairus, to go to Jairus' house. But while on their way to his house, there come from the ruler's house uh, someone who said, your daughter is dead. Watch, why trouble the teacher any further? You can't get any more shocking than that. Jarius' little daughter is dying. He just found Jesus and hope has risen. And maybe Jesus can heal his daughter. But as they get to the house, he hears the terrible words in verse 20, uh, 35. Your daughter is dead. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Don't do, do not fear, only believe. Now, who would say something like that to a distraught father? 
frankly, either a fool or someone who had supreme confidence on his own power would be saying something like that. Then, let's let's see what happens next in Mike 5, uh, uh, 37 through 42. And it says, And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John and the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw the com- a commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly. And when he, heard, when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the, and, and took the child's father and mother, those who were with him, and went into where the child was. Taking her by the tan, he said, Talithi Kumai which means, little girl, I say to you, rise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And Jairus was reunited with his daughter that he thought was lost forever. The message is clear. It is easy for Jesus to raise a person from the dead as it is for us to wake somebody up from sleep. Jesus has the power and authority over death. And just not over death of a little girl some 2,000 years ago, but also over our deaths and his own, as we see in the next few Bible studies. And if he does have the power over death, then it's insanity to ignore him and to say, I'm just not interested. Or this is boring. That's fine if you, for you to believe. One day, you and I are going to die. The question is, are you prepared to trust Jesus with your own death? Believe it or not, peace be still and arise are the most outrageous things Jesus says. For we turned to the fifth evidence as Jesus is the Son of God. And the fifth is Jesus has the power and authority to forgive sins. Mark says in, in Mark 2, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing him the paralytic carried by four men. And they could not get him near because of the crowd. So they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an an opening, they let the bed on which the paralytic laid coming down. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, Your sins are forgiven. I can't imagine what the owner of the house would have thought when his his roof was ripped off. But what's extraordinary here is are that are the words of Jesus to the paralytic in verse five, son, your sins are forgiven. Why on earth does Jesus say that rather than immediately curing the man 
of his paralysis. Well, we can only grasp that if we understand what the word sin means. A few years, a few years ago, an independent newspaper read an article about the seven deadly sins. And the writer said, in, the, in this day and age, sin has lost its sting. A bit of sinning is much more like, likely to have seen a spot of grown-up naughtiness. The kind of thing that sends a delicious shock through the system. See, that's what many people think of sin. It's not very serious. It's it's a bit of it's a bit of fun on 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 the on the side, right? But rightly understood, in the way that the Bible describes sin, there is nothing nice about it. Jesus is saying that sin is humankind's biggest pandemic, biggest problem, and it's not paralysis or global warming or terrorism. It's sin, guys. Sin is not just doing naughty things. It's just not lust or laziness or whatever. No, according to the Bible, sin is ignoring God in the world that he has made. It is rebelling against him and living without reference to him. May we have not, you know, we, we may have not committed adultery or murder, but we all have said, I will decide exactly how I live my life. Now, why is ignoring God so serious? Because if I insist on my own independence in this world that God has made, then that has consequences. The Bible clearly links sin with death, not just death here, but eternal death. That's why sin matters. And we'll be looking more about the consequences in the next few Bible studies the staggering claim that Jesus makes in this passage is that he has the power and the authority to forgive sin. Right? He has that power and authority. The implications. Uh, what was that? Let me look real quick, guys. Sorry, there was uh, the enemy was just trying to get in and, and put up a, a lustful link, you know, on a, on our on our in our on our sermon. But anyway, the implications is 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 of this are not lost on the the religious leaders that they don't mind that the paralytic being uh, a sinner. They know everyone's a sinner. The problem is with Jesus is shown in verse seven. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were saying to Jesus, who do you think you are to, that you could forgive sin? Sin offends God. So only God has the right to forgive it. The question is, does Jesus really have the authority to forgive sin? Or is he blaspheming as a, as, as a religious leader's claim? The answer to the question, Jesus does, an ama does something amazing. Let's read uh, verses 8 through 12 in, in chapter 2. And it says this. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, that they thus questioned within themselves, 
said to them, why do you question? And, and he said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you, but that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose, immediately picked up his bed and went before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. As if to substantiate his claim to have God's power and authority, Jesus immediately cures the man with paralysis within a few words. The crowd that was that has jammed, crammed into this house to see Jesus is totally amazed. But the healing is not the end of itself. Jesus does, doesn't do this with a, uh, with a floor, with, 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 with something that, you know, to flourish his, his ministry as performing magic tricks at a circus. No, he cures this man and countless others in order to reveal his true identity. He is quite obviously acting with God's authority and God's power. And he, and, and he expects us to draw the obvious conclusion. As Jesus teaches, calms the storms, raises the dead, heals the sick, forgives sins, and acts in God's world with God's authority, of course, if this is true, then it's not just an abstract idea. It gets very personal. Do I recognize who he is? Will I recognize that he is my teacher, whether I like it or not? Do I recognize that he has the authority over my death, whether I like it or not? Do I see he has authority to forgive my sin or leave it unforgiven? These are good questions to ask, but if Jesus is who he claims to be, then it is a scandal that we haven't lived under his authority. And I think that's, good morning, Fernando. Good to see you, my brother. Then it's good to understand that we have to come to an understanding that he is king, right? And he is who he says he is, and we must live under Christ's authority, period. Man, I can't wait for Wednesday. You know what I mean? Wednesday is going to be awesome. Because I'm going to come out here and do this again. You know what I mean? And uh, guys, we here at Made Free Church, we love you. You know, so a couple announcements before I leave. Guys, if you guys would like to support Made Free Church in any way, shape, or form, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have three ways to give. You can give through a cash app and give through a PayPal link, or you can send a check or money order to the addresses provided on the website. All your monies is uh, tax deductible. So please leave your email addresses so we can send you a tax deductible receipt. And if you'd like to check out, you know, my website, you can check my website out at reformpastor.me. That's reformpastor.me. And, uh, you know, we do have podcasts and stuff like that. I'm Reformed Pastor. 
we have that in, in, in the podcast. And Made Free Church has its own podcast as well. So go check us out, okay? And it, we're on all platforms, by the way. And uh, guys, thank you for being here. May God bless your day. May God richly bless your day. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you do, Lord. Please, Lord, surround us today. Lord, bless those who are watching and those who have been watching. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you guys need prayer, go to madefreechurch.org. We have a prayer uh, request tab, and all your prayer requests will be prayed over. We have a whole team that prays over your prayer requests. So go and leave your prayer request there. God bless.